Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Everybody, this is Russ K5TUX, co-host of Linux in the Ham Shack, and you have tuned in to episode number one hundred and fifty-one of our, our one hundred and forty-one. Yes, one hundred forty-one. Of our delightful program. Uh, it, yes, it's delightful, and we also have uh, Cheryl with us tonight. Hello, everybody. Sitting across from me, and uh, we also have Pete V2XBL. Good evening, Pete. Sitting across from nobody. How you doing? Oh, we're doing good, except we're sick with the sore throat, or at least I am, and apparently you are as well. Apparently I am too. I'll survive, though. Well, that's My good to hear. My kids got off uh, a lot worse than I did, so I figured, you know, so far so good. Now, in what way did they get off wor- worse than you? Oh, you don't want details. No, no, you don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds like they've got the flu or something. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, they've had on and off uh, flu-like symptoms uh, bouncing off each other, and mum too, and I've been getting away pretty easy, so I play outside a lot. <laughs> there you <Okay>. go. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to go hang out in some snow. Uh, Bye. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. The dog's never been walked so much. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. But uh, no, being outside a lot certainly helps, I think, and uh, I, I work in a hospital, so I've learned to uh, wash my hands a lot. That's the secret. It's not like foolproof, but it uh, really uh, lowers your chances of contracting stuff. Yeah, it does help. So welcome to the show about Pete's hands. <laughs> Pete's, Pete's learning. clean baby soft hands. Okay. <laughs> no, they're not soft. That's the whole thing. They're dry. I moisturize and I moisturize. Plus I live, you know, it's been like a really, really cold winter here. Like minus 20 forever. I think since November. So uh, anyways... That being said, that ends the portion of Pete's hands. Oh, let me let me just say for all of us. Oh. <laughs> all right. New nice. segment to the show. Goes yeah. <laughs> right after or right before Cheryl's recipe corner. <laughs> no, right off the bat, segment zero point five. There you go. Yeah. We'll hit our first ham radio topic of the evening, which is that there's a new version of hamqth.com. Uh, I read that. That's pretty exciting. Yeah, and I got a new I got an email about this from Peter and I assume lots of other people got it as well. But he has announced that the newest version of him QTH is now online. He reports it took me a long time to develop it, but it was worth every minute. The site now looks more like web two point uh with a yeah, with a customizable uh header image, uh new look and feel. It has a responsive template uh that he used to build it. So it will work on mobile phones and other uh, tablet devices. The uh, site is much faster, he says, and it's also providing Google Maps location and VOACAP, that's V-O-A-C-A-P, information when you look up a call sign using hamqth.com. So another are many new good reasons to use hamqth.com instead of that other one. Yeah. <laughs> that shall not be named yeah. here. Yeah. <laughs> Yep, the like Val- Harry Potter. That yeah. what shall not be named. Right, the Voldemort of call sign lookup. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, that being said, uh, Peter is actually pretty busy. Um, like it seems that he's putting out some kind of new version or a fix or a new tweak on it, like you know, every couple of weeks. Yeah, which is good. It's good to know that he's on yeah, top yeah. of things, and he says it's uh, taken a lot of his time, but uh, he's enjoyed it. So that's good. You got to enjoy what you do. Well, or else he probably wouldn't spend so much time on it. Right. Okay. Chances are, unless his wife makes them. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, so moving on. Cheryl put this next one in the ether pad so she can go ahead and read it. Darn, I was trying to get the toy away from the dog. Let's see here. Um, multitasking. Yeah, yeah. multitasking Focus. in a Focus. big way. <laughs> New Amateur Radio Roundtable webcast from W5KUB. Amateur Radio Roundtable is a new series of internet-distributed webcasts being produced by Tom Medlin, W5KUB, and available online over W5KUB.com. The webcast will be held Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Central Time, which correlates to 0200 UTC Wednesdays. According to Tom, Amateur Radio Roundtable will be an informal discussion of all aspects of ham radio with the intent allowing viewers to watch or be a guest via Skype or Google Hangout. To simply view the webcast, you need only take your web browser to w5kub.com and sign in. If you wish to be an active participant, you'll first need to send an email to tom at w5kub.com so he can provide you segment six, provide yo segment six. Uh, okay. Whoa, wow, I did a really bad typing thing there, yeah. didn't I? Yo, yo, <laughs> yo, yo. <laughs> well, let's let's try that hand. again, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's getting fixed live. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> right before your eyes. Well, before my eyes. <laughs> before, yeah, before everybody else, or before the, our eyes, anyway. So I can provide you with the information you needed to join the show. And, of course, all this information will be in the ether pa- or in the uh, show notes, and it will be corrected for everybody since well it would also I be in the etherpad type. you know and, oh, and it is yes it is in the etherpad just and, not correct right now for those of you who don't know this already if you become a subscriber to the show a paid subscriber that is because anybody can be a subscriber you get access to the etherpad live show notes information and you can even contribute if you so desire but that's a total aside and uh, i don't know mess us up by like changing the notes as we're reading them <laughs> yes you could you could do that luckily there is revision you know revision control and we can go back and take out all the crap you stick in so that's not a problem yeah wow. but we'll be taking it out after we set it probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now, Cheryl decided to skip the story that she was supposed to read, so Pete, it's, oh, sorry. Uh, it's your turn to... Uh... Oh, yeah. and by the way, I was going to comment on the uh, the W5KUB uh, Amateur Radio Roundtable webcast. It's interesting that they took 8 p.m. Central Time on Tuesdays. Now, I think they did that because that's the the spot we vacated, so that that is obviously prime broadcasting time. Well, yes, obviously. of course. Yes. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure, without question, that that's the reason why they've they've slid into that slot because we we left it. So, uh-huh. well, we only left it to take a better one because Monday's even more of a prime uh, broadcasting time because who does anything on Mondays after the weekend? <laughs> Nobody wants to do anything. Exactly. <laughs> so, like, I mean, seriously, all the all the nets are on Mondays. There's like in in the local area, there's so many nets on Monday nights because you know it's kind of a good night. Sunday nights is good too. Well, the yeah. thing is, you people, Personal live in, opinion. <laughs> you people live in Canada, and it's cold up there, and it's kind of bad in the winter. No, it's pretty damn cold here, too. Well, yeah, tonight, yeah, because it's Yeah, but cold or not, I mean, it doesn't matter. If, even if you're in California and it's sunny every day, nobody does anything on Mondays. It's Monday. No, it's very true. So, few people. I shouldn't say nobody, but very few people. Yeah, in very the summer, people, sometimes, yeah. you know, we'll go throw the ball in the park kind of thing. 
But uh, usually on Monday nights, people kind of tend to stay home and uh, listen to the radio, you know, not TV. Nah, don't do that. Nah. Pull out the hacky sack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sure. All right, Pete. So go ahead and tell us about this new website. Sorry, I was taking a sip of water. And I'm going back right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, what happened is Russ and I are sharing the Etherpad on a uh, monitor up on the wall. And I didn't oh, realize he had scanned down from the first story. Which is why I skipped a story. So well, I do that all the time too. I just kind of like look around back and forth because there's so much good information. Anyhow, there's our website uh, now online, which will uh, feature real-time band conditions, which is pretty exciting. I was reading this uh, called bandconditions.com, so that's pretty uh, easy to remember. Band conditions with an S because there's more than one condition. Uh, they say it's a new experimental website designed to provide 24/7 real-time band configure band conditions. Sorry, information. Information uh, to uh, SSB contesters and other operators, any operator really who's interested in the information. Uh, so they say for contesters, con- contesters, pardon me, to increase their scores, but. Um, it can also benefit, uh, let's see, other amateur radios to determine band conditions for nets and casual QSOs. So the information is not based on a software prediction, which I think is really cool. It's not based on any kind of satellite-based reading either. It uses a newfangled ionospheric sounding method called HF ionospheric infer- <laughs> interferometry. Say that ten times real quick. Uh, no, but I'll say it once. <laughs> yeah. Interferometry, so operates, my goodness, operates very similarly to uh, what's called Pulsar used by NASA. So check out bandconditions.com. I'm going to do that right now because I was going to do that before the show. Then my mom called, so I had to talk. Well, I went there, and it's the front page just kind of gives you everything you need to know in seven graphs. It basically shows you the condition of the bands 160 through 10 just right in your face. And, and yeah. currently, as we look at it, it's uh, 160, 80, 40, and 30 are good. 20 is mediocre. And 15 and 10 are in the crapper. So there you go. That's all you need to know. And, of course, there's a lot more to it than that. Go ahead and check out bandconditions.com and see all the, the newfangled goodness with the uh, HF ionospheric interferometry. My question is, where is it interferometrying from? doesn't seem to take into account my my uh, location which i'm looking for right now maybe i'm mistaking it probably can be set for your location uh obviously i'm not sure where it is set or where it takes its default from yeah that's, that's what i'm wondering here uh, across the continental u.s there you go with the exceptions of hawaii and alaska uh sorry hawaii and alaska you lose out again <laughs> hawaii and alaska get boned all the time <laughs> I know it's like it's, it's crazy. Well, Hawaii, you can't like you know Hawaii is way the hell out there, so you can't really blame them. I don't even know why it's part of the U.S. It should be like a tropical island. That's like well, screw, technically screw you, it number, is a tropical island, but you know what I mean. Screw you, number forty-nine and number fifty. Yeah. So, uh, and Alaska, well, that's next to us, so you know it's, right. they they understand. Yeah, well, they're out there see, in the boonies too. Right. So you can see Russia from there. I've been told. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, not only are they way up north and way in the uh, North Atlantic, but they're next to Canada, too. I know. So it's lost. Double threat. <laughs> yeah, Russia on one side, Canada, Canada on the other. other. No. Yeah. <laughs> We're scared of Alaskans. 
I, I don't know. I think most Americans are scared of Alaskans, too. We know, we know some personally. <laughs> no, anyway. We have our similar province called the Yukon right next door. I have some friends from there. Well, they live here now. But uh, they're very, very nice people. Well, that's, that's good to know. Yes, yes. Uh, <laughs> hands and neighborhood uh, information today. Are you referring to our Romanian Alaskan friends? Here Not yours. No, no, mine. no, no. no. no Russ said we had Canadian. friends from Alaska, and I was... We have a friend that was stationed in Alaska in the uh, army, yeah, but he's actually a- from Romania. So, well, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah I mean, they're friends. They're from all over the place. They're, you know, he's an army brat. What are you going to do? I mean, it's, he's from all everywhere. Right, okay. Well, yeah. he's not an army brat. He's his child is an army brat. Well, he's an army brat too. His dad wasn't. It? No, he's just a brat. Is what I'm saying. Oh yeah, <laughs> no, he is a brat. That's very true. All right. Uh, <laughs> Brief pause yeah. while we extract a toy from a dog. Is that what that was? That yeah, was that, was what that was it. Luckily, none of this will actually end up in the actual podcast. So. Oh, come on. Leave it in. <laughs> no, I'm trying to keep the podcast <laughs> under an hour. You had no idea how much crap I had to cut out last time. We could use that as a sound effects, background sound effects, so that you know it sounds more live. Okay, no one's talking. Yeah. I made it very professional by muting my mic before taking a bite of this cookie. <laughs> And then nobody was talking. Sorry. I don't know where it was. What are you looking for? We're looking for the toy that's making the squeaky <gasps> noise. You're alive. What are you doing? People are listening to you, man. That's right. I'm eating a cookie. You're chasing a dog biscuit. It's like, my God, we're horrible. <laughs> well, at least you're not eating a dog biscuit. And we're not looking for a cookie. Nope. It's a coconut wafer cookie. It's quite tasty. Uh, we have some of those here, too. I don't like coconut cookies, but Cheryl does. They're awesome. I like coconut everything. I even like coconuts. Anyways, I like coconuts too, especially when you put the lime in. Them. So we probably should get back to the show and yeah, eventually. See. Yeah. It's not going to be under an hour. So our next and final ham radio story for the week is or Fortnite. I keep saying week. It's Fortnite for the Fortnite. Uh, is ham radio and more weekly sh- radio show is to be archived. This uh, was pretty exciting when I read it. I yeah, this, check this out. This does sound very cool. Len Winkler, KB7 LPW, now KH7LW was the creator and host of the first weekly radio show devoted to amateur radio to be broadcast on commercial radio band. The original Ham Radio and More show premiered in April of 1991. At its height of popularity, it was syndicated on the Talk America radio network and was heard on more than 70 national radio stations, along with live and taped shortwave airings on WWCR and streamed live on the Internet. The final live show aired on October 26, 1997. Now Len has announced that he's in the process of creating an online archive of ham radio and more programs. Several are already posted, and he plans to digitize and upload as many as he can. So if you want to hear what was on the mind of hams in the 1990s, take your web browser to www.hamradioandmore.com slash shows.htm. Sit back, turn up the volume, and enjoy. So that does sound cool. I'm definitely going to check that out. I always like to hear how the, the radio world was back in the day. It's kind of like looking at the old CQ and... QSD magazines from ages past to see how things have changed and how some things are still the same. And Pete's muted again and talking, I'm sure. Goodness, I was. (laughs) (laughs) What a horrible, horrible host. You should fire me on the spot. (laughs) No, I was reading this earlier and I was, uh, I'm always looking for stuff to listen to for podcasts and vintage ones are really, not that this is super vintage, this is, you know, understandable vintage where you can still kind of relate to what's being said for, you know, baby boomer types. But I'm um, always looking for stuff to listen to, so I'm going to check these out. That's, and if they have so many of them going online, you know, you'll have like months worth of, of listening to do. 
Yep, absolutely. And uh, that one, that show was six years in the making. So plenty of shows. I took out the number of episodes, but it was like 339, I think, was the number of episodes. Wow. So. Yeah, actually. That's almost once at- for every day of the year. Yep. Yeah. I looked at the uh, website a little while ago. There's only probably 25 of them that are actually available to be downloaded at this okay. point, And they're not... They're not in any order, you know, because they have like three months worth of them in order. And then there's like a random one a year later. And <laughs> the tape that they found in the wrong box. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, but, you know, they, they are getting them done. It seems like fairly quickly because on their, their Facebook page, they will actually post that, you know, we've, we've got two more done or whatever. So. All right. Good to know. 1991 how would they be recording on tape like if it was you'd have to do a real-time capture if they were kind of you know newfangled precursors and you know already archiving to disc that would have taken like huge disc space in 91 yeah it sounds like they're probably trying to recover all of them that they had so i imagine they're on some kind of magnetic media or something and they're having to transcribe them onto uh into electronic form yeah i mean not a lot of labor it's just that you just can't do it fast. It's all real time. Right. Yep. All right. Well, that's very cool, though. So check that out. The uh, information uh, will be in the show notes, like the link to check it out, which we already gave you, but it'll be there, too. <laughs> Things that make you go, hmm. Or you could just Google uh, hand radio and more. Not hand radio. <laughs> ham radio and more. <laughs> hand radio and more might get you. Hand radio. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> hey, you probably don't want to let that take you, too. <laughs> All right, yeah, so later. let's jump into some Linux topics. Uh, the first one is kind of interesting. The Raspberry Pi 2 launches with a six times faster processor and the promise of Windows 10. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, or something. Uh, the Raspberry Pi Foundation revealed the official second edition of its Raspberry Pi system-on-a-chip computer today, promising speed increases of up to six times and compatibility with upcoming ARM builds of Windows 10. For whatever that's worth, founder Eben Upton said that the foundation is now targeting users beyond the education sector that was originally the target of the Pi in 2012. The Pi 2 Model B consists of a quad-core ARM V7 Broadcom BCM2836 processor running at 900 smoking megahertz, supported by 1 gigabyte of RAM, 4 USB 2.0 ports, a full-size HDMI out visual display port, micro USB power source, and a micro SD port for storing data and loading an operating system. What the hell? That's faster than the computer I'm using right now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The newer chipset allows Canonical's popular Ubuntu Linux as well as Windows 10 to be candidate operating systems on the Pi 2. Now, one of those operating systems we care about and the other one we don't. You can apparently run both of them on the new Pi. Which is uh, whether interesting. you care about it or not, it's you know quite a popular system, and I can understand why they would cater to that. Um, it's kind of like the lesser of two evils. You accept Windows 10 because everybody wants it to promote your Raspberry Pi-ness around the world, and you know you're still basically closed source. You're just running somebody else's, or sorry, you're open source, but you're running somebody else's closed source software. No, I can understand the the appeal of being cross-platform like that, and What's good about it, or what what makes it good to me, is that the fact that it can run Windows 10 means that it can run the hell out of any Linux distro. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Like I said, it's. I, I wasn't joking. This thing is faster than what I'm using right now. Uh, I think the article said that the uh, selling price on it was a dollars. 
And that's like, you know, very affordable. Yeah, yeah. very affordable for a quad core arm chip. I mean, yeah. Good for them. So the I mean, to- you know, that being said, you have to put all your bells and whistles around it. You can't just buy it start windows, but still, right. the capabilities there. One thing I didn't see in this little blurb here is it doesn't say anything about networking, whether uh, wireless or wired, so I'm not sure what the story is there. But the link to the article that contained the information about the Pi 2 will be in the show notes, so if you want to check out all of the specs, uh, you can go ahead and do that once you uh, get the show notes, because I'm not reading that long-ass URL. Just not going to do it. No, all right. Do it. Pete, go ahead and read the next story. This next one's kind of interesting. I was reading the article on the Raspberry Pi. <laughs> uh, no, you can <laughs> do that later. trying to figure out if there's the, uh, an Ethernet port on there of some sort. Or maybe it's dial-up. Cheryl can Google it while you're reading the next yeah, story. I'll we'll Google. find out. Google. 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 Away. All right. <laughs> um, <laughs> live patching now available for Linux. You, never, you may never have to reboot your Linux machine ever again, uh, even for kernel patching, they claim. Actually, I don't really reboot my uh, machine that often, which is kind of the good thing about Linux, but th- that being said. Excerpts from the long and nicely human-readable description of newly merged kernel code called LivePatch, uh, they claim, does what CaseSplice has for quite a while, but without Oracle's control. That's Oracle. I may have misspelled that. Uh, it provides a basic infrastructure for functions for function live patching, including my goodness, including API for kernel modules containing the actual patches. It's got API ABI for um, user space user space to be able to operate on the patches. So it looks up what patches are applied, which are enabled, which are disabled, etc. Uh, it's relatively simple and minimalistic. They claim it's making use of existing kernel of in- infrastructure. So you know why rebuild the wheel, uh, namely uh, FT race, as much as possible. And uh, it's also self-contained in a sense that it doesn't hook itself. In any other kernel subsystem, it's now implemented for uh, x86 only as a reference architecture, but supports the PowerPC. That's pretty cool. S390 and ARM is already in the works. So once again, the... Pardon me, had to cough again. (laughs) (laughs) Professionally muting my mic. Uh, The link will be in the show notes. Yep, the link for that will be in the show notes. I got that story today off of Slashdot, so uh, you can also search for it over there and find uh, information on that. Because right now, basically, only stuff that where you have to actually rebuild or reinstall a new kernel is the only reason why you should pretty much have to reboot a Linux system anymore. The Oracle's uh, unbreakable Linux has had K-Splice for some time, but now this is going into the standard kernel, as I understand it, so you will be able to upgrade and patch your kernel live with all the latest updates and never have to reboot your machine ever again. So, sounds good. I don't know how well it'll work, but we'll find out. Well, like I said, you don't really have to reboot a Linux machine that often anyways, depending on the system and what you're doing. But, I mean, overall, compared to, you know, the competition, um, it seems to run quite nicely sometimes for weeks, depending on what you're using and what you're running. Yep. I rarely have to reboot my machines. In fact, I have servers that have been up for, you know, well over a year. So Yeah, but these are servers. I'm just talking about, like, your everyday machine, you know. I mean, it's even more impressive when you can do that with a server. I, You know, I don't generally reboot my clients either unless it's, you know, unless there's a kernel patch, basically. All right, good, moving good on. on. Good on you, mate. <laughs> like you'd give a crap. Okay, Cheryl. <laughs> no, it's good. Good. I'm, I'm all for a good customer service. <laughs> so I sound sarcastic, you know. Kind of, it's just me. Sorry, I'm playing with my Yeah, don't, don't play with me. All right, Cheryl's going to tell us about uh, network connectivity for the Pi 2. Yeah, the, uh, the Raspberry Pi 2 Model B 
The retail cost on it right now is $35. Holy smokes. Yeah, it has a 900 megahertz quad-core ARM Cortex-A7 CPU with one gigabyte of RAM. It also has four USB ports, 40 GPIO pins, full HDMI port, an Ethernet port, a 3.5 millimeter audio jack and composite video, camera interface, CSI, display interface, DSI, a micro SD card slot, and a video core IV3D graphics. And that's all it says about it. Do it, Russ. You got to put in the hallelujah. <laughs> Bring more vodka. Oh, that was the wrong one. <laughs> that one's good, too. That, yeah. That's- <laughs> Uh, mighty uh, impressive. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it says because it has an ARM V7 processor, it can run the full range of ARM GNU, uh, GNU Linux distribution, including Snappy Ubuntu Core, as well as Windows Microsoft or Microsoft 10. And it says see our blog for more information. It has an identical form factor to the previous Pi 1 Model B Plus and has complete compatibility with Raspberry Pi 1. Uh, we uh, recommend it for use in schools. It offers more flexibility, uh, which is more useful for embedded projects and projects that require very low power. That was straight from Raspberry Pi. Excellent. So now you know also where to go. Also a good source of information on the Raspberry Pi. <laughs> yes, probably the best source. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we have one, one more uh, Linux topic, and this one is security-related. It's a new multipurpose backdoor is targeting Linux servers. There is a new Trojan that opens a backdoor on target machines and can make it participate in distributed denial of service attacks. China Z, a Chinese hacking syndicate, might be behind it. The malware, dubbed Xnote, gets delivered on the target computer after the attackers mount a successful brute force attack and establish an SSL connection with the machine. First, the code sends information about the infected system to the server. It then goes into standby mode and awaits further instructions. If your command involves carrying out some tasks, the backdoor creates a separate process that establishes its own connection to the server, through which it gets all the necessary configuration data, and sends the results of the executed task. The malware can also create, rename, run, delete files, as well as accept additional files from the CNC server. It can create and delete directories, create a list of files and directories inside specific directory, and then send the directory size data to the server. So, if you get this, if you're infected by this, you get pwned big time. You know, for all those people who say there are no such thing as Linux viruses, which, you know, it is safer. It is safer. We've said that often, and we'll continue to say it. Linux is safer, but it is not immune. Certainly not. No, uh, thing is, really. On the bright side, Xnode only gets installed on a target machine if it's been launched with root privileges, which you probably have if your server's been brute forced. So, But anyway, yep, you have to worry about stuff even on Linux machines. Just uh, keep people's mind on the game. Sleep over. It's not that bad. <laughs> right. Yep. Uh, I got that from net-security.org, the link, of course, to the entire story, which which goes into great detail about the vulnerability. It will be in the show notes, so check it out and be wary. Okay, so we have a couple of uh, Linux in the ham shack topics, which is, you know, the name of the show, so we should probably get to those. Uh, Anybody else want to handle one of these? I will. All I right. will over here. All right, Pete. <laughs> Pete, me, Pete me, do me. your co-hosting duties. There you go. <laughs> Excuse me. All right. All right. <laughs> and 
see. Um, radioexplorer.com.ru slash English, uh, radioexplorer.com for uh, those of us who are intimate, is a free-for-use uh, after June 21st, 2014. So now, free-for-use. Instructions on the web on how to register as a free user. This is a uh, Radio Explorer, by the way. It only reads text schedule files provided by other uh, entities, so it creates a searchable index. It also provides MUF map and propagation report. Written in Java, uh, not open source or copyleft. However, it is cross-platform. could be run as a Java web start uh, and from the command line. So I have not checked this out yet, uh, but I plan to right now as Russ makes his comments. All right. It's a pretty simple application. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. You just download a jar file from radioexplorer.com.ru slash en. There are plenty of instructions there on the website on how to do it. You can also do it as a Java web start, which means you can download and run the jar file right from the internet. You don't actually have to download it and run it on your machine. But once you do, it just creates a GUI interface, which gives you basically an index into shortwave broadcasts around the world. But the, the real problem with this is you actually have to have the broadcast information in text file from somewhere else. These are published by various entities. The FCC has one, you know, like Radio Russia has them, and and other shortwave sites have them. You just download them, load them into Radio Explorer. Then you can search them, and you can use the maximum usable frequency map and the propagation report to figure out if a particular broadcast is going to be listenable wherever you are, which is sort of like the main purpose of this thing, because otherwise you could just look at the text map and, and see the broadcasts. Uh, but this does provide a little bit of extra functionality. Uh, the jar file is uh, compiled, so it is not open source. It is not copyleft. It's not GPL. It has its own license. But if this is something you're interested in and you do a lot of shortwave listening, you should go ahead and check this out, radioexplorer.com.ru slash en. And uh, try not to choke to death here. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> really uh, needs to oil his chair. Yeah, too. <laughs> and all kinds of problems going on here. My my uh, voice may actually make it to the end of the show. We'll see. Yeah, 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 <laughs> Yay! Yeah. Uh, anyway, we have uh, another Linux in the Hamshack topic, and that is some AMSAT software for Linux. We have talked a little bit about uh, satellite communications over the past few episodes. Excuse yes. me. Uh, AMSAT.org has a page on its website about all the different satellite software that they've decided to publish that is available for various different operating systems, including Windows, Linux, and macOS. One of the software packages I chose to highlight from there is a software package called Predict. Now, this is different from gpredict, which is a software package that we talk about a lot, which is a GNU and GNOME-based satellite tracking program for X-Windows. What this is, is a satellite tracker and predictor that is not graphical. It uses end curses, so you can run it inside a terminal window. Uh, it doesn't provide a nice little map, and it doesn't show you a polar coordinate scheme where you can actually see the satellites flying overhead or anything like that, but it does give you a textual representation of you know next pass information for all the different ham radio satellites that are out there. Uh, when I built it, it needed libncurses5-dev, which is the development curses package, to be installed. It also needed RxVT. Uh, both of these I was able to app-get install on my Debian-based system. Uh, Ubuntu should be exactly the same. 
Something similar should be available for RPM-based distros as well. Once you've done that, a simple dot slash configure in the extracted directory will get the thing built. It, it says it has to be run as root. I could have edited the configure file to take that out because it is not necessary for it to be run as root. Uh, unless, well, okay, let me back up just a second. The way the, the way the configure file is done, it does need to be run as root because it does the install automatically. If you just want to do the regular make and not the install, you don't need to run it as root. But it will complain if you just do it out of the box if you're not root. Uh, once you do that, it will actually install everything under slash user slash local. So it can just be run from the command line. Uh, when I ran it, it worked perfectly. It also has a version called xpredict, which creates an X window wrapper around the ncurses interface, which is kind of useless because then you should just use gpredict if you're using X windows anyway. It did work, and it's a little cumbersome if you're not used to seeing telemetry data represented in text, uh, but you get used to it pretty quick. And if you don't have a system or if you're out in the field or whatever and don't have a high-powered computer where you can actually see uh, an X-Windows-based environment, uh, this may be a, a perfect way to do your satellite tracking uh, inside a command or inside a console window uh, on a low-power machine. Uh, another tool you can use in your satellite communication toolkit. And, uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> muted. Okay, muted, muted again. again. Yeah, no, I like the simplicity of it. Uh, you know, you can actually bring this into the field with next to nothing and be able to use a lot of people, you know, I've seen have little kits and they use it while camping or, you know, the best place you can do it is in the country away from the city. So um, if you can have just a simple machine, put that on, you're laughing. I'm not laughing. I'm laughing. Yep. <laughs> 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 uh, 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 the website for that is amsat.org slash amsat slash ftpsoft.html. And that link will, of course, be in the show notes. There's a whole bunch of different software there for all kinds of operating systems, not just Linux. If you're into the satellites thing, uh, go check that out. Yeah, well, AMSAT's awesome. I mean, they're the source after all. They are. All right. Well, that is it for our topics for today, pretty much. And we are on to our music segment. And uh, I actually stumbled across this one. I didn't find it by deliberately searching for it. I found it by accident. But considering I spent uh, a little bit of time earlier today watching the latest two episodes of The Walking Dead, I figured this one... <laughs> oh, you're a Walking Dead head, are you? Uh, yes. Yep, I love The Walking uh, Dead. One of my buddies is into that, too. I uh, I watched it for a little bit. I got into a, a few episodes. And after that, it just kind of always seems to be the same. So... I can only do the zombie thing for so long. It's well made, though. I enjoyed it. Um, it, it should have just been a movie. No, it, it changes over time. It becomes much less about the zombies as time goes on. So it, it, yeah, it, it's too much time, though. Okay. Well, it, it progressed <laughs> for me, and I still enjoy watching it. But anyway, I was watching the latest episodes of, of The Walking Dead today, and I stumbled across this song on Jamendo. Uh, it's by a group called The Sway from their Silk EP. Uh, the song is called Feasting on My Friends, and it's about what you might think it is. Uh, <laughs> these guys are from London in the UK. The song was released a little while back in June of 2008. Uh, runs about four and a half minutes, so we'll go ahead and play this one, and uh, we'll be back in four and a half minutes to, uh, you know, continue with the show and choke some more and, uh, you know, maybe have some more content. We'll see.
That's a song called Feasting on My Friends by The Sway from back in 2008. Excellent. That's kind of an 80s feel to it, that one. I can't remember what band it reminds me of. It reminded me of you, too. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. No, that's not it. (laughs) Pete's like, no, no. (laughs) (laughs) It's a little bit like The Cure, too. Yeah, I had Cure, but there's somebody more specific that I'm thinking of. And I like it's the guy's voice, and I just can't remember for the life of me. It'll come back to me. Yeah, well, I'll be interested to hear, because it immediately struck me as like you 2 That was the first thing I thought of when I heard it. But anyway, Physically, there you go. yes, I could see Cure a bit in the guy's voice, but there's even, there's another band. I think it's two brothers that are together in the band. Anyways, carry on. Okay. So anyway, Feasting on My Friends, yes. And if you're a, a you know Walking Dead fan, that was probably fun for you. Uh, the lyrics are, are pretty explicit about, yeah, that very thing. <laughs> <laughs> so... Anyway, we're on to announcements and feedback. And our first quick announcement is about our Indiegogo campaign. We are now down under a month. I have not checked to see where we are at at the moment, but I can do that real quick because it's like in my browser history. So we're currently at $310. There are 27 days left to go. Still plenty of time, but if you can, go ahead and donate to the Indiegogo campaign. Just go to Indiegogo.com and search for Linux or Hamvention. Uh, either one will bring up our campaign, and hopefully if we make our goal, we will see you all Dayton in May. If not, uh, maybe 2016. We'll see how it goes. It's uh, never too late. That's right. It's never too late. Well, it will be after you know 27 days from now. <laughs> not for Dayton. It'll huh? be really early. Well, no, not for 2016. That's right. There you go. Never too late. All right. Uh, I also got an email indicating that uh, the Northeast Louisiana Ham Fest is going to be held on Saturday, April 18th of this year. Uh, That's at the Barack Shrine Temple in Monroe, Louisiana. Registration will be $6 with one raffle ticket, $12 with 10 raffle tickets, and you can bundle 25 more raffle tickets for just 20 bucks down there. And they did have uh, some pretty nice door prizes that they're going to do. Uh, there will be VE testing sessions, ham radio forums, door prizes, concessions, and lots more. If you want to set up a table down there, they cost 10 bucks a piece. And if you want more information about the Northeast Louisiana Ham Fest coming up on April 18th of this year, go to W5EA, Whiskey5EchoAlpha.org, slash hamfests, with an S, dot HTML. Well, you know what that means, of course. That means the, the uh, Ham Fest season is officially starting. So winter is a little bit quieter for Ham Fest. Uh, it seems to be even in the warmer southern states. You don't seem to have as many as you do in kind of the April to, you know, September, October time frame. Yep, they do. See, we do seem to be getting a lot more emails about upcoming ham fests, and these are a good couple of months out, at least for people who listen to the show. So, uh, you know, you got plenty of time to get ready for these, especially if you're in the southern U.S. So, uh, Harrison was talking to me this week. Harrison, our uh, trusted uh, show notes taker, was uh, mentioning that HamCon is coming up, and uh, I think it's next weekend. But HamCon is a uh, small um, ham fest and conference that they've organized. And the reason I, I mention it, this is an event that happens every year, and I think I mentioned it last year at this time. Uh, but since the uh, ham fest uh, circuit in certain areas seems to be, uh, you know, dwindling from year to year, people have less money, etc., uh, etc. Cetera, et cetera, 
you know, a ham community is getting older, they have everything they need. For whatever the reason may be, ham fests seem to be uh, less and less popular. Uh, so what they did is they kind of reinvented themselves and built a conference around a small flea market type thing uh, where hams can go and have eyeball contacts, uh, catch up, uh, and then attend uh, all these great conferences that uh, other hams give on their special, uh, you know, special thing or area of expertise. So I think it's a neat way of reinventing yourself. Yep. Total discretion, but <clears throat> kind of fits. Uh, did you see the uh, title of the last episode that I just put out today? No, actually, it's out. Finally, yeah. cool. I'll check yep, it out. It's out finally. <laughs> Not finally. Sorry, I didn't mean it that way. But I mean, I just, <laughs> no, no, it. it should be finally. Okay. Yeah. It kind of is yeah. finally. But anyway. Well, it's only two weeks. That's good. Yep. Go to a ham fest near you. I'm, I'm speaking I to just, everyone, just not just you. I'm not talking to Pete specifically. But. <laughs> <laughs> Ours uh, is in October. I have a long time to wait. Uh, we also got an email by way of feedback from Alvin, Kilo 2 Alpha Mike Papa, who's a new listener to the show, who said, I was just wondering if I'm missing something because I can't find the show notes anywhere. I recently found your podcast. Very good show. Uh, well, thank you, Alvin, for tuning in and uh, becoming a listener Speaking of our great show. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and I think what he's referring to is that he couldn't actually find the link to the show notes, which, you know, is possible. There is a link on the main page or actually on every page of the website. It's under content. If you click on content, you get a drop-down menu. And under that drop-down menu, there are several different links to various bits of content on the website. And one of those is show notes that will bring you to the show notes page. I also answered this in email for Alvin, so uh, he should have a direct link to the show notes. It's also uh, uh, a category page that you can get to as well. Uh, the show notes have been updated to uh, number 139, I believe, which is the one before the one that just came out. So all the show notes yeah. should be current. In this. Yeah, I know. I like to bug Harrison. It's all good fun because he can't talk back. He's not live with us. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Poor Harrison. Yeah, poor, yeah, poor no, Harrison. He does a great job on the show notes, I must admit. Uh, yeah. It's fantabulous. So for those listening to the show, and I know there was a comment in the chat room about the fact that the show notes have been uh, remiss lately, uh, they should all be caught up now. Sorry about that, but uh, we're, we're back on track. The things got hectic over the last couple of months. We apologize for that. Well, that being said, I mean, you know, we don't pay our show notes taker. This is a volunteer gig, uh, you know, where it's a, all a public service and we're happy to do it, as they say. Uh, we love doing it, but uh, Harrison is a student, uh, so he has other duties to take care of and, uh, you know, family obligations. So considering that, uh, I think he's uh, doing fantastic. Yep, absolutely. Hey, kudos. Kudos to Harrison. I want to tell you what I used to think kudos meant. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> So it's something you get I, when I you're... thought it was a, like a congratulatory, a congratulatory thing. Oh, I thought it was something you got from girls when you were young. Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, see, I wouldn't know either because girls didn't chase me when I was young, so I didn't have to worry about kudos or uh, <laughs> oh, Wow. <laughs> anyway, thanks for the There's feedback. There's a lot of good uh, titles in there for the episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Plenty to choose from. Today. That's right. Uh, anyway, thank you, Alvin, for the feedback, and I hope the show notes are up to snuff for you, and uh, thanks for listening. That's uh, Kilo2Alpha Mike Papa, new listener to the show. So now we're done with feedback, we're done with announcements, and we're to the best part of the show, Cheryl's Recipe Corner. Yay! Yeah. The best part of the amazing. show. That's right, the best part of the show. Uh, you're feverish, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> nope, not feverish. No. Yet. No, he's not. Okay, whatever. <laughs> so so what are we cooking this week? We're going to do breakfast this week. Or kind of breakfast. 
Although for us, breakfast is always a dinner item. So anyway. Well, see, we do that too in our family. We call it breakfast for supper and the kids love it. Oh, yeah. Because it's breakfast at supper. I mean, how crazy is that when you're a kid? Yeah, 99% of the time if we do quote-unquote breakfast at home, it's at 7 o'clock at night. Yeah, it's the last meal of the day. Breakfast is always the last meal of the day. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. Awesome. Yeah. But anyway, so it. this week we're doing egg muck muffins, which are really good for people that want something warm for breakfast. And, and just to be clear, for those who aren't going to check out the, snow, the show notes, it's not egg muck muffins, which would be highly yeah. illegal. Yeah, it's no, no, egg no, muck muffins. muffins. Yep. Uh, I uh-huh. love the uh, play on words. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so anyway, um, with this, it's uh, essentially like a little mini omelet done in a muffin pan. You just take some scrambled eggs and put some meat or veggies or whatever you want in there. Bake them for a little while. Of course, this whole recipe will be in the show notes. And you end up with a finished product that looks like a, a bread muffin, but it's actually scrambled eggs. And you can pop them in the microwave on your way out the door and... Eat them on your way to work. Now, Russ is not a big fan of these, but I love them. So, oh, they and sound I, awesome. I've not fixed them for Russ in a while, so he might change his mind again. Well, See, if you, if you ever fix if it you again, don't microwave I'll... them. Yeah. 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 No, they're maybe he they're likes great. Them crunchy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, not necessarily. Well, the bad the bad <laughs> thing about Russ when he was when he was working in Arkansas was he was the type of person he had to be at work at eight o'clock. We lived three blocks from work. But at five minutes to eight, I was kicking him going, get up. You've got to go to work. So he didn't have a lot of time to make a pit stop by the microwave on his way out the door. Um, That's right. I'm too too fast even for microwave cooking. We've got to have one at work. <laughs> they, they do have one. At yeah, work. They, they did right. have one at work, but he, he would never grab them and take them to work. So I would heat them up at home and take them to him at work. And by the time he got around to eating them, they were cold oh. and not so great. So, but, you know, I... I personally like them because it is something I think in the morning, I just don't have the energy to actually fix something for breakfast. I just want if you know, if I want something, I want it right then. And this is I want it now. Yeah, I want it now. And that's exactly Consumer it. You. <laughs> and this is one of those things because they freeze. Mm-hmm. So you can, you know, put a couple in a Ziploc bag, stick them in the freezer, pull them out the night before, toss them in the fridge, throw them in the microwave on your way out the door, you know, so. Uh, I joke about, you know, people are busy, but I mean, people who have kids too, this is perfect because one, it's a muffin. So like, how can you not feed that to a kid and have them not love it? Right. And secondly, it's quick. And a lot of kids, you know, especially as they get into the teenage years, don't always want to eat. And this is kind of like a, a nice thing. Right. Well, and that's the thing. And they've, they've got another recipe where you can take um, pancake batter and do the same thing. You right. know, and put blueberries or even pieces of bacon or sausage or whatever in it. And bake it as a muffin and, you know, same, same concept. But at least this way, the, you know, the kids are actually, and the adults are getting something healthy. You can mix up whatever you want it. If you just yeah, it's want. It's kind of like a, a, a muffin in a quiche, a quiche in a muffin form. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It's like a little mini omelet or quiche Without the type thing. The yeah. Things, yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, that would be crazy. You can make little pies. Ooh, there no, that's you go. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, here, I'm, I'm yeah. inventing something new. <laughs> well, you know, they do have like the little pot pie size, you know, pie shells. You could make little mini quiches. That would be a little messy to work. But, so, you know, so. I digress. Yeah. <laughs> Pardon me. That's next week's recipe. Yeah, there right. you go. <laughs> we'll use the same recipe and just throw a pie crust under it and you got a whole different thing. <laughs> 
<laughs> and next week I'll do quiche as one of my recipes. So yeah, eggs McQuiche. Yeah. Oh, there you go. It's crazy. All right, so the the recipe will of course be in the show notes, and uh, if you want to check those out, that's where you need to go to find all the information, including the baking instructions and all that. And it only takes about fifteen minutes, including cook time, to make one of those up. Yeah. So yep. very quick, and, quick and easy. And Sixty seconds if you freeze them in a microwave. Yep, yep, absolutely. All right, so Cheryl, you're still up. We've got social media roundup to do. So. Yep. All right. Okay. In the donations and subscriptions category this month, we have three people on monthly, Jeremy Hall, Scott Pettigrew, and Bill Arcand. And for yearly, we have John Clark and Johnny Kinsey. We have a list of Facebook people that joined us this time. Uh, Bob West. Yeah, Facebook was really active last two weeks. Yeah, they, like, they have, yeah, it's, it's been cool. very active. Yeah. Uh, Bob West, Clifford Guy. Jose Luis Narciso, and I'm probably butchering that pretty bad. Gaylord Grant, David Dwayne Turner, James Jamal Labuni Abdul Rahman. I hope I got that one right. Uh, John Muscoff, again, guessing on that one. Andrew Gog, John Rapoon, Sean Mammon, and Eunice Curdo. Google Plus is Steve Young, Young excuse me. And, um, Bora Cua Girl? Guessing. Not sure. <laughs> That's her real name, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I have no clue on some of these. It's just, I'm from Missouri. You have to excuse me. Um, on Twitter, we have OH6GAZ, NYC, Hill Country Hams, Fotchki Radio, G7LFW, Alvin Pettit, Old No Man Bates, Old Norman Bates. There we go. And G Zero R O C. Yep. And uh, we are at currently 487 Twitter followers. 487. So we're very close to the 500. Because as soon as we get to 500, uh, someone is going to receive a Pofung Handy Talkie. Uh, so if you know anybody who has not already subscribed to us on Twitter, or if you are listening to this and you have not subscribed to us on Twitter, we are at LHS podcast. Uh, you should do that because, uh, one of the 500 subscribers we have, or one of the 500 followers we have rather, uh, will be receiving free gratis, a Pofong handy talkie. Can I unsubscribe then resubscribe then hopefully win? <laughs> nope. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, no, but see, here's the thing. You know, everybody as a follower will get in the drawing, correct? Yes, everybody yes. who is a Twitter follower, except members of the Linux and the Ham Shack co-hosting team and their families are not <laughs> eligible for this drawing. The co-hosting team, me and my <laughs> team here are highly disappointed, Russ. Yeah. Uh, show notes takers Where's are also, show notes takers and their families are also not eligible. That's all good. Are we going to let the dogs <laughs> draw the name? I'm not sure how the drawing is going to be done yet. We'll see. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm sure since a toy was destroyed earlier, we could just stick a name in a toy. <laughs> yeah, but then you wouldn't find it. You wouldn't know who won, so you'd have to like count all the other ones and see which one was missing. <laughs> uh, um, amazingly enough, yeah, quick story. Last week, the shower drain, the shower wasn't draining right. Russ went in and went, well, there was stuffing. Well, he didn't tell me what was in the shower drain. He just said there was something in it. So, And it was caught in like the trap. So... Tonight, I go into the living room and it looks like it has snowed in there because Minna has destroyed one of her toys. So I pick it all up. I throw it in the trash. Russ walks in the kitchen and went, oh, so that's where the stuffing that was in the shower drain came from. I was like, 
Okay, so she's been working on this toy for a week now. Nice to know. <laughs> uh, there you go. Yeah. So. All right. We've got a couple more things here, and then we're about done. Yep. Paul Bates joined us on YouTube. Uh, no new people on the mailing list. No merchandise sales, which is really kind of sad because we have some really cool stuff. Aww. See? Oh, we have some really cool stuff. Aww, <laughs> oh, yeah. Some really cool stuff. <laughs> All that, all that no one signed up. Oh. Yes, okay. That's right. good. That's not good that no one signed up. No. But, sign up. Yeah, sign up and, and buy some merchandise. So we're, we're looking to get some new merchandise, so hopefully there will be some here, not before too long. Well, see, you keep saying that. Like, everyone's going to wait now, so no one's going to buy. Yeah, no one's going to buy anything. You all should right. shut up. All right, I'll shut up. Nothing's coming out. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> comment. Strike it from the record. <laughs> That's right. All right, so with that, we are done with the show. So... I Woo-hoo. guess uh, I'm going to like start the outro music and we'll call it good. Uh, let me just check the uh, etherpad, the chat room here real quick. Nope, nothing we're going to talk about for this week. So I guess I'll push the button and we'll uh, start signing out here. All right. You have been listening to episode number 141 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX, along with Pete, V2XPL, and Cheryl, commander of the Recipe Corner. Uh, you can become an ambassador for LHS by going to the website and finding all the information there. Uh, you can represent us at a Linux con or ham fest near you. You can leave us feedback at info at lhspodcast.info or via voice line at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. And we do encourage and love voice feedback. Yes. Our IRC channel is hash LHS podcast on the Freenode network. And you can go ahead and subscribe to our mailing list, that information on the website. We also have show merchandise, which we've just been talking about. Everything from coffee mugs to t-shirts to clocks to iPad covers and everything in between. You can find that stuff at cafepress.com slash LHS podcast or printfection.com slash LHS podcast. You can also help out the show by donating uh, or by clicking on the sponsored ads on the right-hand column of the website. That doesn't cost you anything. You can listen to us live every other Monday night, 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. That's 0200 Zulu Time, Tuesday mornings. Our recording schedule and countdown timer and everything you ever wanted to know about Linux and the Hamshack is on the website, lhspodcast.info. Thank you to all of our listeners live, quasi-live, past, present, and future. We appreciate each and every one of you. And uh, thanks for listening tonight. And tune in again in a fortnight's time, where we will talk about more Linux, more ham radio, and more Linux in the ham shack. We'll see you all in a little while.
out of what? T- luck, time, chicken, and money. 